Before the crowds, all the attention and fame, they were just kids. It's the local play-by-play broadcasters that recognize their talents and their flaws. This is a look behind the curtain of the athletes that made it out and the local guys with ringside seats. You get an insider's view into what goes on behind the sports from local play-by-play broadcasters around the country. This is the Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast with Ken Keller. Hello and welcome to Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Keller. Happy to be back. Uh, It's been a few weeks since... My last podcast, I was on vacation with my family. We went up uh, to Ohio, where my wife and I are both from. We visited family on each side of the state, my wife's side and the west central part of Ohio, uh, and my my side of the family in northeast part of Ohio. Had a blast. Batteries are recharged, and uh, I'm back at it. In fact, I'm going to make it up to you guys for not having a podcast on the the past few weeks. Uh, I've been doing the podcast now here on the Hefe Pods Network for, you know, every other week. Been due two a month. I'm going to really ramp that up and and get one on every week. That'll drop every Monday. That's the uh, that's the goal. I just think especially with a lot of my interviews, I'm able to break into two different parts and I think after the first part airs, for anybody to be expected to wait two weeks before they can hear the other part, they're going to lose interest. And no matter how fascinating it is, and I do believe it's fascinating. So I'm going to do it every week now and um, and hope you enjoy it. So uh, I'm excited for some of the ones that we've got coming down the uh, the ramp here. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it here in a second. Um, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I had something happen to me real that was really exciting um, right before we went on vacation 10 days ago. Uh, my last podcast that I did was on the iconic calls and play-by-play broadcasting. And by the way, thanks. It's It's been the most listened to podcast that I've had here before the crowds play-by-play podcast here on Hefe Pods. So that is cool. Thank you guys for listening. It gives me an idea of what people want to listen to now, things that they want to hear about. I will file that away and we'll have more like that, uh, you know, down the line as well. And I'll try and incorporate more of that stuff into each podcast. Well, one of the people that heard the podcast was Tim Elkhorn, who is the radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, just having an NBA radio broadcaster listen to my podcast and reach out to me, and he did. He posted on the on the uh, on the Facebook page said he enjoyed it. He loved the the Cleveland clips that I that I had on there, and um, and just said good job on the podcast, and uh, that made my day. Like I said before, you know, just just having an NBA broadcaster listen to my podcast and I don't know Tim or I didn't know Tim at the time. I didn't ask him to listen. He just, he came across it and listened to it on his own and then thought enough to reach out and, and, you know, tell me it was a good podcast. I greatly appreciated that. I appreciate everybody that did listen to that and and making it the highest listened to podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, go back to hefepods.com. The, um, before the crowds play by play podcast and you, and you find it right there and you can uh, decide for yourself. It's a half hour one and I invite you to check it out. So I messaged back to Tim 
First of all, I'm a huge Cleveland Cavaliers fan. I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I grew up listening to the great Joe Tate do uh, basketball games for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It made me fall in love with basketball. It made me feel fall in love with broadcasting. I've mentioned that on this podcast before. And um, he is a huge influence on my career and my uh, uh, my style. And talking about Joe Tate, Tim Alcorn took over that job uh, back in 2019. And it does a phenomenal job calling Cleveland Cavaliers games. And uh, I reached back out to him. I said, Tim, I would love to have you on as a guest. And he said, sure. And I recorded an interview with him. And he is going to be a future guest on Before the Crowds Play-by-Play podcast, my first NBA broadcaster. And the fact that it's for my favorite NBA team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and my son's favorite NBA team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, makes that all the more special. I'm very excited. That is coming down the pipe. And so that's some good news with the podcast that you're going to hear shortly. Uh, Today's a little different episode. Today's uh, no interview again today. Second straight podcast where I don't have an interview. Um, I have interviews saved. I'm just doing a different one here today. I thought I'd do a mailbag podcast. I've heard this on other podcasts before where hosts invite listeners to email in, post on their Facebook page, their tweets, and ask um, you know questions that they might have for the show host. And I thought, I'll give it a try. I think play-by-play broadcasting is interesting. I think the behind-the-scenes stuff. I think even as a kid growing up, I wondered how somebody did this, how somebody did that. And uh, so I, I put it out there on Facebook and on Twitter and uh, you know, just asking for any questions for the mailbag. And I got a few, and I'm thrilled about that. I, I'll have, I picked out five questions that we're going to answer today in our first ever Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast mailbag edition. If this goes well, which it already has because I've gotten some questions, uh, we'll do more down the line. Feel free anytime, whether I'm doing a podcast, uh, a mailbag podcast or not, to, to reach out on Facebook at Before the Crowds, on Twitter at Before the Crowds. Uh, you can email me, Ken at GladesMedia.com, and I'd be happy. I will answer your email. I will comment on any question. Uh, I may also even put it into a podcast, even after answering you, even if it's not a mailbag edition. So I love interaction with the listeners. And I want to keep that going. So if you got a question, a comment, um, a suggestion on who would make a good guest, you've got an in with somebody, you yourself or a broadcaster that you think you'd make a good guest, by all means, reach out. I will get back to you. I can promise you that. All right. Um, well, let's just dive right into it here. I'm going to do, I'll read a couple here, then we'll take a break and we'll come back and uh, we'll finish off the rest. All of these were either emailed to me, they were posted on Facebook or on Twitter. Question number one comes from Brady. Brady asks, how did you get into the world of radio play-by-play broadcasting and what inspired you to pursue this career? So I have been doing play-by-play for nearly 25 years now. I began in 1999, 98, 99, right in there, and um, worked 11 years at a radio station in Bellefontaine, Ohio, doing play-by-play for high school football, basketball, baseball, and softball. Um, Moved my family to Florida, here in South Florida, 
and was fortunate to hook on with a, a station, a, a small market station in Okeechobee, uh, WOKC Radio. And um, I am into year 13 and 11th year of doing play-by-play broadcast there uh, with high school football, basketball, baseball, and softball. I've done some other things for um, for small colleges, some other online broadcasting and other uh, aspects, and, and just over 22 years of broadcasting of doing play-by-play, I've really enjoyed it. I got into it kind of uh, in, a, in a strange way, which I think most people do get into play-by-play. They each have a different path with their career. Um, I grew up obviously listening to a lot of sports on the radio. I love it. I listen to countless Cleveland Cavalier games on the radio, countless Cleveland Indians games. I watched mostly the Browns on TV, but I did love listening to a Browns game on the radio when um, when uh, that was the way for me to to find out what was happening to my Cleveland Browns. Uh, and, and Ohio State football, let me put that in there as well. Um, lots of games. So I grew up listening to all sports um, mostly Cleveland or Ohio-based teams on the radio. Fell in love with it there. I loved local talk show, sports talk show radios. As a kid, I remember calling into talk shows um, in Cleveland, the Mike Trivisano show, if anybody remembers that or knows about that. Um, I called that as a little kid. He had me on his show. I got to ask a question as a little 8-year-old, 10-year-old that uh, uh, you know. a lot of times stations, especially big market stations, won't let kids on. But I was allowed on that. I asked questions and uh, and spent hours and hours and hours listening to that. So I developed a love for sports radio, for play-by-play as a kid. I did not study in college. I went to a small Division three school in Northeast Ohio. I graduated at Heidelberg University, for those that uh, might know, go student princes. Um, I um, graduated with a degree in business administration. My first job out of college was selling office supplies at a uh, an office supply store in Lima, Ohio, and it did not take me long to realize that that was not for me. I was miserable. I didn't like it, um, uh, and I was thinking, I got to do something different. This isn't going to work. What can I do? You know, I just spent four years in school studying business and. And, uh, you know, at the time it's, you know, it's a, it's a crisis, you know, now looking back, of course I had the whole world in front of me. I wasn't married. I was, you know, 21 years old, 22 years old at the time. I, I had endless options. I didn't know that at the time and I'm driving and I found myself driving on purpose to my farthest clients. Whatever the longest drive was, I would drive out there because it would give me the opportunity to listen to sports talk radio, to find a game on the radio. This is before streaming off your phone or anything like that. And I remembered, I look back on my, fondly on my time at Heidelberg University, I did a shift on the radio station. Um, I did some play-by-play for, for Heidelberg. Not, not a lot, and uh, it certainly wasn't a whole lot, but enough to make me realize I loved doing it. I had a little bit of a talent for it. And I thought, what the heck? I'm not married. I don't have any kids. I'm young. I'm going to go into play-by-play. I just, it was literally that easy. Miserable in my job. What did I want to do with my life? I want to do play-by-play. And I decided to just go for it. I said, you know what? I'll give it a try. If I, if I don't make it, then I'll do something else. That was literally my uh, my attitude towards that. And I'll never forget calling uh, 
my parents, I was a little nervous about this because I had bills to pay and I had a job and here I was going to tell them that in less than a year, I was going to leave this job and try something I did not study in school <laughs> and that has a low percentage of success. You know, tons of people want to do play-by-play, not a lot get a job. This was before the internet. This was before YouTube. This was before, you know, jobs became so readily available that they are now. In fact, people can kind of start off there. You know, they can start their own website and do their own play-by-play. You know, they can literally start their own business. When I started this, all I knew to do was call every radio station, call every professional sports organization I could and see if I could get my foot in the door somewhere. So I called my parents and I said, you know, talk to my dad and I said, dad, um, you know, I told him what I, my plan was. And he said, all right, let's, uh, let's come up with a plan. Let's come up with a way for you to succeed. And it, it shocked me because not only did he not try and talk me out of it, he supported it. He knew that it's important to love what you do, not be miserable because you'll never get out of that. You got to be happy with what you do. And if I wanted to do this, I was young enough and could do it. And he helped me get an internship at a station in Columbus, Ohio. It was the fan. It's it was a, it's a flagship station for Ohio State football. It's a big station. And I'll, I'll never forget my dad, you know, supporting this. Uh, he passed away last year. It's one of my biggest memories. Biggest lessons I learned from him is chase your dreams, chase it. Give it a shot because if you chase it and you don't make it, that's one thing. If you never attempt it and you're working a job you can't stand the rest of your life, you'll you'll never forgive yourself. So it's uh, it's something I'll never forget and uh, and you know something I think about all the time. So I got an internship at the station uh, in Columbus. I actually worked on the Kirk Herb Street show. He had a radio show in a station in Columbus. And I got to work on a show, Kirk Cripsfried, of course, now on College Game Day, a huge uh, personality on ESPN and uh, one of the best in the business at what he does. And I was and I was a, a, a gopher. I answered phones. I got coffee, did all that stuff. Bottom rung of the of the ladder. But I got to watch Kirk Street and Paul Keels, who's the play by play voice for the uh, Ohio State Buckeyes and still is. He was the co-host. So I got to see them for a whole summer and talk to them and, and learn that aspect of the business. And that was invaluable. And I also was able to secure uh, a television internship at a now defunct uh, cable station called the Ohio News Network. I got to work under Douglas Sells, who was a longtime local broadcaster in the in that market, uh, in the TV uh, aspect of it. And I got to help with the, uh, the sports news broadcast each and every night at 11. So that summer, I quit my job from, I think... Noon until four, I was working on Kirk Herbstreit's show on the radio station. I had an hour to get to downtown Columbus and check in for my internship. All this was unpaid, by the way, unpaid internships. I had already graduated college, and I'm doing an unpaid internship, two of them, in the same summer. And working from uh, five until midnight uh, at the Ohio News Network. And oh, by the way, I still have bills to pay. I had an apartment that I rented, so I worked at a gas station and uh, in the mornings from 8 until 11 or 7 until 11 or something like that. So I was literally up every single day, 6 a.m. at the latest, working from 7, getting home at midnight, doing that six days a week, seven days a week sometimes. And uh, and two-thirds of the day, I wasn't getting paid. 
but it was an absolute blast. And because of that, I was able to uh, send my resume out. Um, one quick little story, you know, with that, because this is how did I get into it. Uh, with my pe- press credentials with the Ohio News Network, I was able to use uh, get a press credential to the Columbus Clippers. That's a AAA affiliate. Now for the Cleveland Guardians, it used to be at the time for the New York Yankees. And I got to, uh, they let me use my press credentials. I would take a tape deck. This is how long ago it was. This is the late 90s. A tape deck and a microphone. And I put a cassette tape in there. And I would just call the Columbus Clippers games into uh, my tape deck. And I was so green. I didn't even know how to keep score. You know, baseball score. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't have any information in front of me. Um, I didn't know how to research. I didn't know how to do any of that. And um, I was able to to uh, just make a, quote, demo tape, literally, of me calling a baseball game, Columbus Clippers game, into a tape. I didn't even edit it, and I just mailed as many copies as that I could out to minor league baseball teams. At the time, I thought I had a shot. I did not. Uh, to, to radio stations. Found us way to Bell Fountain. I got hired there off of that to do a um, a music shift uh, in the evenings. They needed somebody to host a request show at night, and then I could do color commentary for high school football. And then if there are other opportunities, that turned into a job that I worked there for eleven years. And uh, that is the long winded way of telling you how I got into play by play. For me, it was an interesting path. Uh, I literally decided uh, I'm just going to do play-by-play and um, worked two unpaid internships after I graduated college and uh, was lucky and very fortunate. The chips fell very well for me that summer. Most people will work years at an internship and still not get a job. I was able to do it for three months and I got a job. It was uh, really fortunate and lucky and i took advantage of it so that is how i got into play by play been doing it ever since over 22 years now all right i'll do one more and then we'll take a quick break can you describe the typical preparation process you go through before broadcasting a live game what kind of research and analysis do you do to ensure a smooth and informative broadcast this is uh, an email i got from jeremy in michigan jeremy thank you so much that's a good question um Like in anything you do, but especially in play-by-play broadcasting, um, it's research, 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 research. So in a high school game, because that's typically what I do, there's not a lot out there, honestly. There's no websites, you know, I mean, there's not very many. And when I started, there weren't any. Um, I'll do a a number of things. First, I'll Google the teams I'm covering I'll Google athletes on that team that I'm covering and just see whatever comes up. If it's a a newspaper article online about somebody um, or just any kind of information at all, sometimes I'll come across a a statistics page and that's great because I can, you know, take all those notes. Any articles in the newspaper, uh, TV stations, anything that comes across on, on the schools that I'm broadcasting and I'll take notes. I'll save them the files. That's the first thing that I do. The second thing I do is I call both coaches um, and ask if I can talk to them um, days before a broadcast, if possible. Most of them are very accommodating. Of course, I have to do it during a free period. They're, most of them are teachers and um, or after work, after the practice, things like that. So um, call coaches, Google, find any information I can online. I like to talk to other 
journalists, maybe beat writers that cover the team, sports directors uh, at other radio stations. Hey, have you ever covered the school? What can you tell me about them? Things like that. And then just brainstorm any other way. If I've covered the school before, I'll go back and listen to the broadcast I did, you know, the year before. A lot of the you know, they'll have a lot of the same players, same coaches. They'll do the same things. And and by listening to a past broadcast, I will remember something that I did. And I'll take that notice. All of this, I'm taking notes. I'm putting it into a binder. I'm organizing and I'm using it during a broadcast. And that being said, on average, you're probably using 25% of your notes that you've uh, that you've taken. And people, and, and that might be high. So I'll write down all these facts, all these human interest things, all these numbers, all these stats, things like that. I might use 10% of it. And that's okay. You don't want to force that stuff in there. Um, what it does is it just, at, at the very least, it gives you a working knowledge of the teams that you're covering. And that comes through in a broadcast. So that is, in a nutshell, how I do research on a broadcast. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I've got a few more questions in our Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast mailbag edition. Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. Immerse yourself in exciting stories, learn new knowledge, and connect with great podcasts in both English and Spanish at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more, there's a podcast for every interest and passion. Be entertained by your favorite radio personalities in both English and Spanish and explore great stories in every podcast. English and the hard-to-find Spanish language podcasts are all at hefepods.com. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at hefepods.com. Welcome back to Before the Crowds Play-by-Play Podcast. Mailbag edition questions that I've received through email, Twitter, Facebook, again, I urge you to like the Before the Crowds play-by-play podcast Facebook page and uh, follow on Twitter at Before the Crowds. And I would appreciate that. Tell your friends about the podcast. Go back on hefepods.com. Check out past uh, episodes. I highly recommend the uh, the two-episode um episode uh, that I did with Ken Levicka, the play-by-play voice of FAU football and basketball, because um, it's fascinating. The others are really good, too, um, but Ken Levicka's was uh, one of the latest ones that I did, and he's got some great, great stories that you'll, you'll definitely want to hear. All right, here is an email I got from Randy. What are some of the most memorable, memorable moments or calls you've had as a play-by-play broadcaster? Is there a particular game or event that stands out to you and why? Randy, thank you for the question. Um, honestly, the bigger the game, the more memorable it is. And I, I don't know, that might seem like common sense, but um, I follow right now where my career is. I cover one school, Okeechobee High School, whether it's in football, basketball, baseball, softball. And so the dream is to have one of those teams make it to the state tournament and I get to call a state tournament game on the radio. And that's my dream. It has not happened yet. Uh, but, you know, sports is great because anything can happen at any time. So the biggest and most memorable moments I can think of are when Okeechobee High School teams got on the brink of the state. I have covered, I've called three regional final games which is the last game 
before the state tournament. I did one in baseball, one in basketball, one in softball. And the one in basketball, I really thought was going to result in a state Final Four uh, appearance. And it is memorable. First of all, Okeechobee lost the game, which was unfortunate. Um, but it was still a lot of fun because the gym was absolutely jam-packed. I'll never forget this. Um, uh, it was against Pembroke Pine Charter School in South Florida. And they had a a, a shooting guard. And his name escapes me right now. He was a lefty, and he literally would not miss. I mean, he was a lefty, and he could shoot from outside the gym. He, he was on fire. He scored over 40 points that night, um, and Okeechobee just couldn't overcome that. But the energy from that gym, there was literally no room for anybody to sit down. It was jam-packed, elbow-to-elbow. There was not an open spot. Nobody else could get in that gym, even if they wanted to. I am sure some fire marshal stuff was was broken because, I don't know. I'm sure we, we passed capacity. I'm doing the game uh, courtside where I normally do. There are people. It was so packed. People were up against my back because there's just nowhere else to sit. And um, it was great. I love the energy that came from that. I love you know how fun that was. So that's probably the most memorable. Um, baseball and softball had similar atmospheres. I just anytime there's a big crowd, there's an energy. You know, I feed off of that just like the players do. So those are the most memorable ones. The bigger the game, the more important the game, the more fun, the more memorable it is for me. All right, question number four, and this comes from Stephen. Stephen in Ohio. How do you balance the need to provide unbiased commentary while still supporting the local team? How do you handle situations where the team is struggling or making mistakes during a game? That's a great question. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a naturally positive person, so I don't really get down on teams, even when they're making mistakes. I mean, you might hear some disappointment in my voice, but I never put down kids. I never say, uh, you know, this is a debacle. This is a dumpster fire nothing nothing like that it's just not my personality i'm a very positive person when it comes to that sort of thing and i'm that way with both teams um i really feel as a, as a play-by-play broadcaster it is important just as important to know your information about the opponent as it is the home team in fact it's probably more important so i call games again as i mentioned for okeechobee high school I see Okeechobee every week of every month during the entire school season, one sport or the, uh, one sport or the other. I know these kids like uh, they're my neighbors. Um, so I've got a lot of things to talk about about Okeechobee, but the thing is, so do the listeners. You know, these are people listening to these games. They either go to school with these athletes, they're their family, they're their friends, they go to the church, things like that. They know almost as much, if not more, about these athletes from Okeechobee High School as I do. But what they don't know is the other team. Who's their best player? What kind of offense do they run? What kind of defense do they run? Who's their coach? How good is this team? What do they do well? What do they do poorly? That's stuff that I need to find out in order to make it a a better broadcast. So that's the way I think about it. And because the way to do that is to talk to opponents' coaches, opponents themselves, opponents' families, things like that, you develop a relationship with them over the years because high schools tend to play the same opponents year in and year out. So over the years, I get to know these opponents' coaches. I get to know these other players. And you develop a relationship, and it becomes friendly. So 
my unbiased broadcast, while I, I'll get more excited for a good play by Okeechobee, I don't. Uh, I, I put as much personality, I believe, into the opponents because a the listener needs to know both teams and needs to know as much information as possible about both teams. It makes their listening experience better. And B, just by getting to know these guys and ladies and and players, um, I become friends and have good relationships with them. So that is for me. It might be different for other people's, but that is how I provide an unbiased commentary. That's not to say I don't get excited for Okeechobee. You can do both. You can be unbiased in your broadcast, but you can definitely be um, excited for the team that you cover. We're fans just like anybody else. Um, there's a there's a term in broadcasting that to me is something you never want to be called, and that's a homer. You've heard the term. Homer is a broadcaster that is obviously rooting for one team um, and in the process putting down the other team. You know, that is not a good quality in a broadcaster. So you can be um, an unbiased broadcaster, but still sound excited for the team that you're covering. I hope that made sense. But that's that's how I feel. And that's um, that's my answer to that question. All right. Last question before we wrap up this episode. And this comes from Kevin. Kevin. I believe this was a tweet that I got. As a local broadcaster, you have the opportunity to connect. This is a very well-written quote, by the way. You have the opportunity to connect with the community and become a familiar voice to fans. How do you approach building relationships with listeners and engaging with the local fan base? Um, It's probably my favorite part of the job, honestly. I love um, talking with people that listen to my broadcast. I love hearing that they've listen to the broadcast. I, uh, of course, I love hearing that they enjoyed the broadcast, but I also don't mind when they, when they tell me if I did a, made a mistake. At least they're listening, you know, or if they say, can you do this? And it kind of drives me crazy. I don't really think I've ever had that happen, but if it did, it wouldn't bother me one bit. I promise you. Um, I enjoy knowing that people are listening. I talk to people at games that I cover. Um, people on the street will will come up to me and ask me, you know, how does the team look this year? What's happening? Things like that. I love that. You talk in sports. Who who wouldn't like that? Um, I love that aspect. I kind of love, you know, and to let my ego show a little bit. I kind of like being the uh, the conduit between the team and the community. I like being that. I like having that responsibility. And um, I think that's fun. I think if you gave truth from to every broadcaster, they might say the same thing, but I really enjoy developing that relationship with the coaches, with the players, with the families, with the opponents, with the school administration, with fans at the game. I'll talk to all of them and I really enjoy that part of it. So um, looking back at this question, yes, I had the opportunity to connect with the community and become a familiar voice to the fans. How do I approach building relationships? Just organically, just talking and just naturally, you know, getting relationships that way. I take it seriously. I enjoy it. I love it. So that is, uh, that's how I do that. Hopefully I answered these questions. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you ever have a question, email me, Ken at glazemedia.com. Reach out on Facebook before the crowds play by play podcast. If you haven't liked that page yet, please do. So go to hefepods.com. You can follow the, the podcast there and, um, also follow us on Twitter at before the crowds and uh, and any way that you're able to to contact me, I will I will at minimum answer 
the email, the tweet, the Facebook comment, whatever. Um, but I will also probably put it on the air <laughs> on the on the podcast. So next week, next week is going to be part one of my discussion with Cleveland Cavaliers play by play broadcaster Tim Alcorn. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. If you love the NBA, if you love broadcasting, if you love sports, um, he's got some great stories. His story, his own personal story is fascinating. We'll talk more about that next week. Until then, I'm Ken Kelly. Thank you for listening. This has been Before the Crowds Play-By-Play Podcast, a proud member of the Boss Pods Podcast Network, a division of Glades Media. If you like this episode, please tell your friends and follow Before the Crowds on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Before the Crowds. There you'll get extra clips not included in this episode, as well as updates on when new episodes are posted. If you have any questions or comments, message those accounts, and I will either message back directly or answer your questions on a future podcast. The Before the Crowds theme music is is written and performed by Lucas Braun of L-Dub Music. More episodes to come over the next few weeks. Until then, thank you for listening.